0: Hi, Cat here, along with my co-host Red. On each episode, we read and review phishing scam emails since most of them read like a bad Hollywood movie plot anyway. Join us for a lighthearted laugh and some crazy phishing stories about all things scams. Gone Fishing is produced by me, Catrin Fish, but the content is thanks to some creative and terrible scammers. Yeah. Listeners, I am back with my co-host, Red, and we have some fun emails to read for you guys today. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. Red, are you ready?
1: I'm so ready, Kat.
0: (laughs) All right. So first up, this email subject line is, Dear Beloved. Okay. It begins like this. Dear Beloved. Greetings to you, and sorry if this message comes to you as a surprise. I am Mrs. Anna Lim from China. Um, Side note for all of our listeners, China is in all capital letters. I am married to late Mr. Robert Lim, who worked with China Embassy in London for 26 years before he died in the year 2014 after a brief illness that lasted for only five days. God. <laughs> I found your email address through my late husband, internet dater of late Mr. Robert Lim. We were married for 20 years with a daughter, Hannah, who later died in a motor accident. Before, wow. I, this is sad. Before, this is the, <laughs> before the untimely death of my husband, I am presently admitted at the hospital. My doctor told me that I may not last for the next one month due to my blood cancer and COVID-19 pandemic.
1: Okay. First of all, I don't <laughs> think the doctor will ever tell you like, yep, you're just going to die. <laughs> and also, wow, the worst combination, COVID-19 and blood cancer, this- which, wow.
0: <laughs> this poor woman. But wait, there's more. The one that disturbs me most is my stroke sickness. I have stroke
1: some sickness?
0: stroke sickness.
1: Okay. Of course, yes. Okay.
0: I have some funds at bank inherited from my late husband. Account sum of US twenty eight point seven million. In parentheses, it is defined as twenty eight million five hundred thousand United States dollar. I wish to know if I can trust you to use the funds for Charity Project, and 30% will go to you as compensation. Any delay in your reply will give me room in sourcing another person for the same purpose. Please assure me that you will act accordingly as I stated herein. Hoping to receive your reply, remain blessed.
1: Wow, that's a lot to take in. Like that, it's got a nice like. Here's my life story in three sentences. Little section. Um, three
0: really tragic sentences.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. Um, we get a whole medical history, <laughs> and there's a lot of medical just,
0: conditions too. Like, get your yeah, notepad like out. Yeah, there's a lot to
1: sift through there. Yeah, yeah, there's the the sudden illness of the husband.
0: Five days. The
1: motorcycle. Yeah, five days. Um, the motorcycle accident which is sudden.
0: Yes, um, of Hannah. And then,
1: yeah, of Hannah. Um, what a cameo for Hannah. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we've got the surprise. I have every deadly disease. <laughs> and also I have $28 million because China. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. right. And she didn't ask for any verification. I will say perhaps this is, an early critique, but she, she didn't ask for how to verify that I was a trustworthy source to distribute these funds. So she's also, I mean, I think that probably speaks to the soundness of her marriage to um, Robert because she just found me as a contact. And I guess if he trusted me, then she trusts me too.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to trust a guy named Robert, right? I mean, good it's, name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing about this email that gets me is all of the detail. There's so much, there's so much to get through. But before we, we really break it down, Red, could you explain to our listeners what the ABCs of our email reviews will be so that they understand the criteria before we give this a rating?
1: yeah, so I think what we decided on would be best is just like the ABC scoring system. So A will stand for attention grabbing how How well does the author of this message grab your attention um, with their email or text or whatever it is? And then B for believability, how convinced am I that this is real? Um, and then for C, charisma. Um, which is kind of the call to action. So I guess you could call it charisma or call to action. So how, how likely am I as the reader to, to answer that call to action or be persuaded after, um, I've read this message. So that kind of ties into believability, but they're distinctly different because like, I could not believe you at all and still want to like interact (laughs) with this person. Um, so that's why where the charisma comes into play, I think. So attention-grabbing, believability, and charisma. And I think we were going to do like a 1 to 10 scale mm-hmm. for each one. So we'll have a total score um, of some number out of 30.
0: Yep. For my scoring of this email, I actually want to start with um, charisma. Because okay. one of the first things that stuck out to me about this email was how she addressed me. Dear beloved. That's a very like intimate, warm and after you read the mm-hmm. email you find out kind of maternal or almost loving terminology to use. I mean in my day-to-day language I don't ever call anyone beloved, but it's like oh, beloved. Um but also has some strange like romantic undertone associations. Agreed. Yes. So it could go either like really warmly or also a little bit creepily, which Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, after reading the email, I think it leans more towards maybe affectionate or warm. Um, So for charisma in this email, especially after what I mentioned with the trust aspect, I'm going to have to give it probably like a solid eight. I would rate higher, but there is a bit of the potential like creep factor in that. And also this email just made me sad. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah it's pretty sad um but that's a solid start An eight is is a solid score for starting out
0: yeah for for the believability aspect though not only because it made me sad but because of just the litany of medical conditions and especially the odd timelines that they gave that were so specific i'm gonna have to go with like a two on this one Um, mostly because she, she misused some of the medical terminology, like stroke sickness. I'm not sure what that means. So for, um, attention grabber though, I'm going to have to give this one another eight because for all of the reasons that I docked it on believability, it definitely got my attention with this tragedy. This is really like, this is Shakespearean almost.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely so. Yeah.
0: So well, that's a nice,
1: that's a nice sandwich. Eight, two, eight. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's nice.
0: <laughs> just rounding out. Not it up.
1: believable, but very charismatic. So there you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: I feel for her. I feel for Anna.
1: I just don't believe her.
0: <laughs> I just don't believe it at all.
1: <laughs> Something's wrong with you, but it's not this. <laughs>
0: yeah. What do you think about this one?
1: Oh, let me see. Um, so I'll just go in, I'll go in the same order you went. So I'll start with C and then go back, um, for charisma. Um, I thought the, I mean, I agree. It was, it was just so like depressing, (laughs) which I think is probably what, what they were going for is like to appeal to that, to that like pathos and make you like Mm -hmm. feel really bad for them and try to act on that immediately. Um, I don't know. I just, but it was so detailed. Like it's like describing a car accident to someone, you know, like you can like say like, Oh, someone was in a car accident and that's so sad. Um, but like telling them like what time of day it happened and like, like they broke this bone and like this thing happened and it's like too much. Like you go from like sympathy to like I don't want to say disgust, that sounds bad. But you go from <laughs> sympathy to to like discomfort.
0: And yes, I think yes, that
1: I agree that there was like it it comes on to like a an uncomfortable level of information. And so my charisma is probably gonna be a little lower. I'm probably gonna give it um probably like a like a five. Like it's not.
0: It's respectable. It's not
1: terrible. It's they still try to make you feel bad. There is still that that feeling there, but it's like maybe a little overboard, maybe a little much there. Too much. Five. Okay. Yeah. For for C for charisma for believability, I just I don't want to believe it's true. (laughs) Poor Anna.
0: (laughs) I know. So it's too sad. Um,
1: (laughs) I so because I don't want to believe it's true. Um, and it's so, again, it's, it's so fast. It's like, you know, my husband died, although she says her husband died untimely and like makes it sound like it was recent, but then also she says it was like 20, I think 14 you said or something, yeah, which so that's like eight years ago now. So yeah, I don't know why she's digging through her dead husband's emails eight years later, but that's you know, a good point. Um, I suppose
0: being on your deathbed kind of causes you to like, just do some thinking and she's got one month left.
1: That's true. She's really desperate to give away this giant sum of money. So I think for believability, I'm going to go probably like with you on a two. I think a two for for believability. It's just the timeline's a little interesting. There's details where there don't need to be, but then there's like not details where I feel like the information would be important. Where did this money come from, Anna? Why do you have this? Why is China in all caps? We'll never know. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) I suppose I could reply.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, For attention grabbing, I think I think dear beloved is, is quite the attention grabber. You know, like if you wake up on a Monday morning and you're going to work and you open up your email and it says, dear beloved, I mean, I would click on that email before I would click on like, please read this email and print this document. Like I would definitely be like, yeah, I'll get to that, but I got to read this like love letter that I just got.
0: Exactly. So attention
1: exactly. grabber, solid eight, very attention grabbing. Um, I don't know if it was a translation thing, if she's from China slash London, but,
0: <laughs>
1: but I love it. I think it's, it's powerful and you're going to click on that, that subject line. So yeah, eight for me.
0: So the total like average between our two final scores was 16.5 on 16.5. the ABCs out of 30. That's pretty
1: good. Yeah. That's over half, you know?
0: All so. right, Red, what have you got for us today?
1: Okay, let me pull up what I have here. It is, the subject line is good day space comma. That is the subject line. Um,
0: it's vague, I like and this it. Is,
1: yeah, yeah, good day space comma. <laughs> um, it is from Ambassador Colleen V. Kellepile um, or info at info.org. <laughs> Very reliable. Um, Here we go. Good day, space, space, comma. (laughs) I am Ambassador Colleen Vixen-Kellipile, President of the United Nation Economic and Social Council, and I work hand-to-hand with the U.S. Department of the Treasury, the Bureau of Unclaimed Funds, and the World Bank, comma, new paragraph, so this is all one sentence still kind of <laughs> uh, we disco- we discovered that you have an unclaimed payment that was supposed to be remitted to you, comma maybe due to some unforeseen circumstance that allow you to finish your transactions home or abroad, comma, so I took it upon myself to get in touch with you before it will be forfeited as you still have the chance to claim your funds, period. That is the first sentence. Wow. Wow. Sentence two, get back to me for more details on how to claim your payment before it is marked unclaimed, period. I need your full name, current phone number, home address, and a copy of your valid ID card, which is actually spelled id. (laughs) <laughs> capital I, lowercase d, your valid ID card, so that we can commence the process of approving the funds to your name for possible transfer within 48 hours. Stay safe and healthy. Yours sincerely, Ambassador Colleen V. Kellopile, parentheses, UN. <laughs> and then her email is Ambassador Colleen V. Kellopile, Kella AP, at gmail.com. But that's not where it came from. It came from info at info.org. So I guess Ah. she's getting a little friendly there at the end. But
0: she gave you her personal contact.
1: Right. Yeah. That's that's the down on the low. After hours, I can still ask her about my money situation going on there. Yeah. But yeah, that is my that is my email.
0: Wow. Just very initial reaction to that. Like so many words.
1: So many, so many, so few sentences, yet so many words.
0: <laughs> yes. And just a reminder to our listeners, you can head to our Instagram page and read all of these emails. We are sharing this PDF screenshots of them so that you can read along with us and see all of the, the details for yourself to get the full scope. But wow, this is actually a really, um, this is an important email. Red. This is coming Very from a, a U.N. official.
1: Yes. And they work with the U.S. Department of the Treasury. So like double dipping in government entities there, I guess.
0: And the World Bank. Question mark? Oh, true.
1: Yeah. Not comma, actually. <laughs> oh, right.
0: Space <laughs> comma. Um, but the World Bank, It just I didn't realize that. I mean, I use... You know, I've like Bank of America, but I didn't know there was World Bank.
1: Oh, I do all my checking through the World Bank. It's much more Mr. Worldwide. Ah,
0: you and Pitbull, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. And Colleen here. Yes. Um, Which I will point out, I do believe it is Colleen, but I'm looking at this email and they spelled, she spelled it with only one E. So it looks like colon.
1: Oh, you're right. I definitely just added an extra E. So it's, it's colon, Colin. It's two L's. C-O-L-L-E-N.
0: Colin? Colin.
1: (gasps) Vixen. Kellepile. So I am now uncertain. I don't know.
0: Is this a man or a woman?
1: Yeah. I don't know the gender of this individual, except that they are an ambassador. Um, which is important. That's the most important detail, I think, anyway. They're the Um,
0: president, actually, of the U.N. Economic and Social Council.
1: Yeah, which those are that I have. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if that is an actual council. Those feel like two very different things, um, economic and and social. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) But why not? You know,
0: well, in the fact that they're working so closely with the U.S. Department of the Treasury. Economics yeah. doesn't necessarily mean anything to do with a treasury or, like, the finances of the World Bank, per se. Right. They do, but they don't, well, I would imagine.
1: Well, is just a very accomplished individual.
0: It's an you know, impressive resume.
1: Yeah, and they make sure that we know it, which is, you know, establishing that credibility pretty early on. They do. Did-
0: They did build that ethos pretty well. And I have to say also that the actual, um, the signature on the email also looks real. Like it looks pretty official. Like it's something it's, it looks like maybe something you would see on a real email.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty standard. You're sincerely very noncommittal. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I feel like, the sincerely in an email is very non-committal most of the time doesn't really have the sincerity that it once implied Mm. but that's a topic for another day but um (laughs) I will jump into our ABCs here I think attention grabbing not really I think good day is just you know it's boring it's Yeah, it doesn't give me any information. I see good day and I just am like, oh, is this Shelly from like accounting again? (laughs) Like, like, I don't really want to answer this email. My internal
0: monologue gets sassy. I'm like, don't tell me how to have my day.
1: (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to give this like a two. Like, it's not, it's not egregiously bad. It's just boring. So it's not attention grabbing. So two. Um, for believability again, yeah, they really build up their credibility with, you know, telling you all these things that they play a role in on the national and international stage, which is pretty impressive. Big, if true, um, (laughs) that ambassador is so heavily involved. (laughs) Um, so I think that that's interesting. There's not really a lot of substance in this email, despite the word count though. Mm -hmm. It's just very, I am important. You might have some money. Please reach out to me. I don't know anything beyond that. I don't really know where this money would have come from. I don't know how much money they didn't care to to give me any sort of range um, there to look into. Mm -hmm. And they just need me to send my information so that we can start the process. So Um, yeah, I don't know. For believability, I guess what I'm mainly looking is, do I believe that this person runs all these things? And, you know, the .org is a little bit believable, though. Like, anytime I see something from a .org, like, email, I'm like, oh, okay, like, automatically, you know, official.
0: That is, they put a Gmail address in their signature.
1: True. Yeah, so I've got two emails going on here, mm-hmm. which you know, like why would you set up something that's not real with two different emails? Like that seems like a lot of work. So maybe maybe there's a little believability here. They do give me a full name. I could try to google this name. I did not. I could try to google this name. Maybe this is a real person. And they list a lot of things that sound official. So believability, I'll go with like a solid like 4 or 5. Let's I'll say 4. Um, I'll say four, it's, it's a little bit believable, but there's not a lot to go off of, to really be believed beyond just talking about themselves. So, so that's what I'll, I'll say four, um, which feels kind of low, but that's what I'm going to go with. And then for C for our charisma, our call to action. They're very clear. You know, I need your full name, current phone number, home address. And a valid copy of my ID, so they're clear on what they want. Um, but I don't really know why. Like I know I allegedly maybe have some money, so the call to action is a little, a little lackluster because it's it feels like a big commitment on my part, and I don't know what I'm getting out of it yet, except mm-hmm. maybe some undisclosed amount of money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm gonna say, call to action is also a four it's it's clear but it's not compelling Mm. that's what i'll say
0: okay i think our numbers will be pretty close however um i will say for in terms of believability i might go just a smidgen higher than you and give it a six because i do feel that um despite the the nuances of the punctuation the actual construction of the email seems pretty solid it's readable um you can follow like a coherent kind of thought across the email although it is deceptively shallow <laughs> yes. in information it's like it's kind of specific enough but again you're like left with wait what what exactly So I am going to go with a six, though, because I, again, like you pointed out, the email address, I think that the email signature looks like a legitimate email. And I will also note that the time that it was sent was 6.58 a.m., which is not, doesn't look necessarily like a scheduled robo email. It looks like maybe with the time difference, someone in the U.N. might have sent it at Mm 3.58 PM or something. I don't know where they would be coming from. Yeah, that's a good point. So there are some details in this that despite the awkward comma placement, (laughs) um, yeah, this it could be legitimate. So that also plays into my clickability score. I'm going to actually go with, I think I'm going to give it a five. Um, Okay. Because yeah, like you said, the call to action was clear and it was enough information to get me Curious, and I feel like I know what to do to claim these funds. Whereas in the other email that we read, they just said to respond. I didn't have any parameters, but this gives me clear instructions and it doesn't feel super invasive. Other than the idea, the ID card, full name, phone number, and home address seems deceptively safe, right? Like they're probably not going to show up to my house. If they call me, right. then I can just talk to Colin, Colleen, whoever over the phone. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not like they just came out and asked for my social security number. So it seems like a safer bet on the clickability. Yeah, it feels like
1: information that you would like be able to find anyway, probably, if you really wanted to.
0: Yeah. 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 And then as far as attention grabbing, though, I'm also going to give it a two because Good Day was pretty bland. <laughs> so. Yes. Sorry, they lost points on that one. but. All in all, not too shabby. They get an overall ABC score of eleven point five.
1: Hmm. Okay. A little lower. This one's a little lower. Sorry, Ambassador. Not is, quite in that fifty percentile.
0: Yeah. It's. It was a. It was a good effort, though. It was a good try. The winner, though, for our ABC score today was dear beloved.
1: Dear beloved. Thank you, Anna, for that wonderful message.
0: All right, so the last thing that I'm going to do today is share a story of a real-life scammer, and this one is quite a doozy. When I set out to research this, I did not think that this would be, like, the first thing that I came across, but it was. So hold on to your hats, because I'm going to tell you the story of a person. A person. This person will get a name, will get many names throughout the story, so you're just going to have to oh listen. My. Oh, my.
1: So, okay. Okay.
0: This person was born as Nancy Lott in 1968, raised in Maryland. Her mother was involved in local politics. That got her into a little bit of trouble herself because she pleaded guilty in a case involving some um, financial financial mishaps with a political campaign that she worked in. Um, Oops. Yeah, she was a treasurer and things got a little bit sticky. She ended up having to pay restitution, receive psychiatric care, and serve five years probation. So,
1: wow, I'm sorry. So this person did something so egregious with <laughs> financial political funds that she had to have like a psychological evaluation. Wow. Yep,
0: she was court-ordered to receive psychiatric care because at, wow. with it, as a, Yeah, and that is just... We're just, we're just getting started here. So that, after is, that,
1: that is the first red flag. Okay.
0: Yes. That is the first, first little speed bump that Nancy hit in Maryland. And mm-hmm. so later in her twenties, she married and split from a guy in New York, but she kept his last name, Nancy Cruz, uh, but she didn't use it right away. However, in the mid 1990s, she landed in San Diego where she surfaced with the new name Delaney Anderson. She headed to the Writing Center in San Diego, which was a nonprofit that provided like community resources for aspiring writers. And um, it was like a literary organization. Mm -hmm. So she ran this literary arts organization for a couple of years, claiming that she did never end up making any money off the job. She started as a volunteer and she was really enthusiastic, had a lot of good ideas. She was a writer herself. She later... Kind of created this persona as a social activist, feminist, writing for the underdog in society. She was um, very colorful. She had pink hair a lot of the time. And people liked her. She was a socialite. She made a lot of friends. Um, Everywhere she went, it seemed like people really liked her. And so... Um, starting out though, here in her time in San Diego at the writing center, she would tell her coworkers, these elaborate stories of how her mother worked for, uh, Jimmy Carter in the white house and, um, really beautiful stories, anecdotal stories of her life and experiences in her past. And everybody thought it was mm-hmm. cool. They thought she was cool. So at one point, um, Delaney Anderson at this time presented some financial reports, but after those financial reports that said everything was fine, an eviction notice came to the writing center offices, and prior to having a board investigate, she resigned and disappeared.
1: Oh my! So yeah. once again, it's a financial a financial issue. Okay. Uh huh. And this time, the writing pen center pen
0: the writing center had to close. It was actually really sad, and it was a huge hit to the literary community of San Diego. A few years later, she resurfaced in Washington, D.C. This time, she was back to the name Nancy Cruz. She met and married someone else who was a film historian and uh, landed a job in fundraising at a public radio station.
1: (coughs) Sorry, that's... Of course she did. Of course.
0: Oh, yes. Perfect. So this was also the dawn of the internet era. And so essentially, um, she ended up in her time working at the public radio station, she ended up creating a consulting firm that was kind of revolutionary. It used the internet to do fundraising for uh, nonprofits. So Mm -hmm. because of her connection to radio, she ended up taking on like 15 different radio stations under her organization, under her business. And she boasted a lot of success on the company's website. She was really good at what she did. And she brought in a lot of money through these internet fundraisers.
1: Uh, Just to pause for a second. Like, it's just so interesting to me that like pre-internet time, someone could so easily just become, I mean, I guess you could still argue that with the internet today, but like She just like became a new person, like moved to the other side of the country and like lived as a different person for like years until she ran into financial trouble again and then decided she would go back to her old self and go back to the East Coast. So, okay.
0: So at one point, though, um, the different public radio organizations realized that she was not actually giving them the money that she fundraised for them. Many of them didn't receive any payment at all for these over half a million dollar fundraisers that she organized. Her landlord filed a lawsuit. The radio stations filed lawsuits. And essentially, she ended up owing them a lot of money, had to shut down the um, company. And there was, it, it was a whole big deal Um, she lost the lawsuit.
1: I said, I'd raise money. I didn't say I'd give it to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So after the, the uh, legal settlements were finally settled after that whole debacle, she of course disappeared. In 2005, um, As her soon-to-be ex-husband was declaring bankruptcy himself in Washington, D.C., she relocated and resurfaced in Delaware, decided to kind of make a splash in the local literary community. Mm, she, sounds familiar. Right? She told people that she had to book deals with some large publishing agencies. She was friends with Um, some really prominent writers and award writing award winners. While she was there, though, she procured some suspicion because she started telling some pretty outlandish stories, like she got a personal phone call from Bob Dylan. um, And then her friends ended up contacting her agent and her publisher, supposedly, who said they didn't know who she was. And about a year later, she disappeared. Five years later, in 2011, Nancy Lott resurfaced now as Anna March.
1: Sure. Okay. She
0: published her first story in salon.com, which became a regular outlet for her. And so she became kind of a columnist for this uh, magazine. And she had some pretty like attention getting, these are like kind of confessional type. Um, articles, very salacious, very um, colorful, She's really outspoken. And so she caught some success because of the way that she was writing. At some point, she ended up sending out a private crowdsource campaign with an email titled Confidential. See, I wish we could get a copy of this email and then we could have read it. We could give it a review and see how well she did Mm -hmm. on this. But essentially, she was asking her friends um, for money. She needed $9,000 for reasons that she noted as temporary separation, taxes, helping her mother, a pending windfall from a property sale, and immediate financial need for unspecified medical expenses.
1: Oh, my. So just like every single checkbox there, just like divorce or like, you know, like that whole situation family needs with the mother um bad financial luck with a windfall sale and then also the undisclosed thankfully we didn't get a full list i guess but the undisclosed (laughs) medical medical need okay Hmm. yeah
0: poor thing had a lot going on
1: go big or go home
0: so then after that she returned to Delaware. She left L.A. I guess things didn't work out. She went back to Delaware. And then mm. she announced a series of writing workshops that she was going to lead in remote location. Um, these types of writing workshops apparently are common in the literary community, but the workshops that she was boasting of would be cool, like pretty luxurious. For instance, one location was Julia Child's home in province France.
1: Oh Another
0: was like Joshua Tree, Palm Springs, Hawaii, Italy, Santa Monica. Uh, they they were like really beautiful retreats, essentially, that they were promised. And people were paying up to thousands of dollars to attend. Essentially, they got postponed or canceled. And um, it took a while, but she ended up refunding most of the people that had already paid. However, there were a couple people who were slated to be instructors at these events they showed up in Italy and it wasn't happening. They arrived a couple of days early, got to the venue, found out that the place wasn't booked. There was no there was no event that was supposed to be happening. No one told them that they were not happening. And so these poor working class writers oh, paid these non-refundable tickets to get over to Italy. Um
1: and now they're just like
0: they're stranded, stranded. Mm-hmm. yep wow. um costing a, a lot of money and it was it was pretty bad so after 2016 um she started a new literary project and she raised some money with a gofundme um But they were not able to pay the writers that they had fundraised for to do this writing project. So again, Mm. money had been raised. People weren't getting paid that were supposed to be paid. She kind of went dormant again and burned her bridges with that organization as well. Now, though, she offers private literary consulting, manuscript Consultations and coaching for hopeful writers to be. And she still works in Delaware. She is still um, a community socialite by organizing events and then canceling them. Her social media accounts have been deleted. So we don't know where Miss Nancy Lott, Nancy Cruz, Delaney Anderson, Anna March, is going to resurface next. Wow. But if you run into her, don't give her any money. Wow. And that brings I, us up to present day.
1: I just, what is it about the literary community that is so enticing to this individual? Like, do they have a vendetta against people who are authors or aspiring authors? Is it like a like vindictive <laughs> thing? Or is it like a... I just think these are people that I can, like, there's not as much financial, like, accountability, maybe, like, like, checks and balances in, like, that field as opposed to others, maybe, like, things are usually done more personally.
0: I think, I think she fancied, and maybe she really is genuinely a good writer, but I think she blurred the line between fantasy and reality, and it ended up burning a lot of people along the way.
1: Yeah that is a wild story. Also like yeah. all the name changes is really interesting.
0: I I feel like it could be a movie and maybe it is. I'm not sure, but um I'm sure she'll find a way to sell some film rights somehow. Wow. Or crowdsource fund raise for a movie. <laughs>
1: I mean, you always like, there's always that twinge kind of cynicism of like GoFundMe's or whatnot, you know, like because there are a lot of genuine people out there, but then there also are people who, who definitely are like cheating the system or trying to like connive people out of their money by like some like fake cause or less than genuine motivations. So that's, which obviously is like what we're talking about, like with the you know, right fishing in general. That's, yeah. You know, appealing to people's like emotions or other to try and convince them to give you information or money um, or access to your whole computer, I guess. But um, (laughs) yeah. So I don't know. There's always that twinge of cynicism and like things like this, just like reinforce that because it's like, wow. Like especially the ability to just perpetually perpetually be able to convince people to give you money which is a talent I guess like there's some skill there that this has been something that she's been able to with different names different locations somehow convince different groups well I guess always literary based but like different geographic groups of people to to give her money um lots of money
0: yeah, A about, lot. A lot of yeah, money.
1: <laughs> a lot of money. So, wow. Interesting.
0: So that's all I've got today. Do you have any closing remarks, Red? This was a good batch of scams.
1: It was a good batch of scams. A nice variety. We've got a, well, I guess they were both ambassador related, the first two, but one was like an ambassador's wife And then we had an ambassador who controls everything. And then we (laughs) got to sum it up with a, someone who has just made a lot of money off of the literary community. But yeah, nice variety. Um, Interesting, interesting stories there for sure. I'm excited to see what happens next time.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we'll be back next time. Be safe out there. Thanks for going fishing with us today. Make sure to like and subscribe and follow our Instagram at gone fishing Pod. that's fishing with the PH, to see the emails we're reading and for source materials. Also, DM us your fishing emails so that we can do a reading and review of the junk in your spam folder too. We'll see you next time.